here's what I need to know. When you wear that mask, like, does a little part of you feel like a ninja? Yes. Like, just a little bit? I swear, I almost kicked somebody. I almost kicked somebody in a grocery store because I was like, I feel like I'm a ninja right now. This is my job. I should kick you. Um, so, real quick, real quick, what I'm going to ask right now, this is what I love about, this is, what, this is a silver lining. Are you ready? This is a silver lining in the, the COVID uh, pandemic, is, is what I'm about to tell you. Right now, I'm going to ask if you're sitting next to somebody, that you would give a little social distance so that you would spread one chair apart. So spread one chair apart wherever you are. Spread one chair apart. So if you got to go to a different aisle, that's okay. Just spread one chair apart. You good? Y'all didn't do it at all back there. I see you. Come on. Come on. All right. Here's two reasons why I ask you to do that. Two reasons why I ask you to do that. Number one reason is because really smart scientists are like, dude, you're going to die if you get this. <laughs> and then number two, number two is because I want you to be as free from distraction as possible. Okay, like just for a few minutes, I want you to be as free as, from distraction as possible. I, I want there to be nothing in your way from hearing what I think could be maybe the most important thing you hear today. Not because I have anything really smart to say to you, but rather I'm going to read in God's word, which God put together. I need you to hear it. Like he put it together so that you would read it and hear it and understand it. Like God took time and priority in the lives of many people to write it so that you would read it, that you may understand it and benefit from it. So for you to be distracted by something like a cell phone or a friend or uh, whatever, man, it's just, you're just missing it. And so I want you to miss it, all right? Now, here's what I need you to think about. <clears throat> I want you to think about that friend that you have in your life that is probably like a good friend to you, but it's like the most fun friend that you have in your life. Don't shout it out. You don't have to look at them um, or maybe look at who they're not. Like, who is the most fun friend that you have in your life? your life. Just picture it. You got it? You pick, you picturing that person? You got it? Okay. <clears throat> For me, my most fun friend that I had growing up in, in high school, he wasn't a guy I hung out with all the time, but when we hung out, it was insane. His name was Ryan Miller. And he, when we would hang out, like whatever we were doing, I would think like, let's say, for instance, I'm riding bikes. I would think I was doing the biggest and the best tricks that a person my age at that time could do. And then Ryan Miller would show up on the scene. And he would have his bike, and he would build a ramp that would jump literally, like, over his car. Right? Where he'd be like, dude, check this out. And it would blow my mind. Because this kid put my 10 at, like, a 1, and he set his 10 at, like, the craziest things that he would do. Always, every time. I remember one time we had scooters and we were in the church 
And we were riding scooters through the church because there's no better place to ride a scooter except for this church. Don't do that, okay? But if you do that and you wipe out, please check the time and the date and let me know because we have cameras and I want to watch that wipeout over and over <laughs> again. So we were riding through the church and I, I just remember this one time where he, we had this like little ramp from one building to a new building and he did the biggest jump and he eats it, wipes out, carpet burn, and then he gets up and he's just smiling. And he was like, dude, that was amazing. And I'm like, what part of leaving most of your body on that carpet was amazing? But that's just who he was. I need you to hear that. That's who he was. This was a kid that had a huge influence on me. And I'm guessing the friend that you mentioned or that you thought about in your mind probably has the same kind of influence on you. Like maybe they are someone who's just really kind. And so they encourage you when you're around them to be really kind or they're really hardworking. And when you're around them, you want to work hard or they're honest. You want to be honest. Like, you know, that friend, like they don't deal with gossip. And so when you're around them, you just find yourself not gossiping because you know, they're not going to hear it anyway. And so they have this positive influence on you. But maybe you thought about somebody who was just really loud. And when, and when they show up in a room, like no one else feels her, like they are the person that influences everyone because of how loud they are. Or maybe they're just mean, that they intimidate the people around them. Regardless of the person, I need you to hear this. Regardless of how that person is, here is something they likely have in common is that they don't realize how big of an influence they have because they don't think about it. They don't think about, man, look at my big influence. They just are who they are. They just live life to what they feel is the fullest. But they don't even think or know they have that kind of influence. So here's what's tricky. That's what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about something that you may not even know you have. We're calling it the you effect. How you affect all the people around you. Now, here's what you need to understand. Is that whether you believe you have a large influence or whether you think you have a very small influence, like you're in this room and you may think, yeah, people tend to listen and do, like I'm a natural leader. But you may also be in this room and you may say, I feel like I'm invisible. Whatever side of the spectrum you are, you're on, here's what's true. That you probably have a bigger influence than you think. That if you were not in the relationships and in the situations that you're in, people and things would be different without you. And I don't mean better. I mean they would just be different because you bring a perspective to the situation. You bring an influence and an effect on the situation. And it's probably bigger than you think. There's a really cool example of this in the book of John. That Jesus, he, he would travel around a lot and people would follow him because of maybe the miracles that he was doing or they thought he would, he would heal them or, or they were just interested. Like, who is this like crazy magician? Like, we want to know who this dude Jesus is. And so John was one of Jesus's closest followers. In fact, when Jesus was dying, hear this, he says to John, yo, take care of my mom. 
And so, in fact, Jesus trusted John so much that he told him to take care of his own mother. So they had a close relationship. And so you can kind of trust what John is going to say about what happens with Jesus. This is how John records this story one day when Jesus was traveling. He says, sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee. That is the Sea of Tiberias, like it makes any difference. We're like, oh, okay, great. Right, who knows? (laughs) And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. So they were like, dude, this guy heals people? Like, let's go watch this show. Then Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and he saw, and that's just so you can kind of know what time of year this was. Because it happens once a year. So when Jesus looked up and he saw the great crowds coming towards him, he, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? And also, because the Passover was coming, there was not a lot of food available. And so Jesus looks at his disciple and says, hey man, where should we buy food for all these people? He asked them only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Now, I want you to just imagine that scene, right? You're there, you're with Jesus, you're one of his disciples, like you're close, and there's all these people. And Jesus kind of looks out and he says, hey man, hey, hey, Philip. And you're like, yeah, what's up? And he's like, how do you think we should feed all these people? Right, like in your mind, you'd be like, dude, you're the miracle worker. Like, why are you asking me? I feel like that sometimes at the barber shop when the lady's like, Man, how do, you, do you want me to, how do you want me to cut the back of your head? Do you want me to round it? Or I, and literally, I tell them, you're the professional. Like, I don't know. I actually don't see that part. Just make it look good, right? And so, so Jesus, he, he turns and he says, hey, Philip, man, how do you think, like, what, what should we do? And, and so then Philip responds. Philip answered him, he said, yo, it would take more than a half of year's wages to buy everyone enough bread for each one just to have a bite. I don't know how much your parents get paid, but let's say they get paid $100,000. He's saying it's going to take $50,000 to buy enough food for all of these people just to take one bite. Eyes right here. But the story continues. And this is where it gets kind of cool. He says, another of his disciples, Andrew, uh, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. He said, hey, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will that go among so many? Now, here's what I want you to really understand. He walks up, he has this boy, and he's like, hey, man, this kid, he said he got some fish and some bread. But how far is that really going to go? Now, now, you need to understand that there was more kids than this kid in the crowd. So that means I'm going to guess that there was probably more moms who packed their kids' lunch than just this one kid in 5,000 people. But yet we only read about this one kid and the food this one kid brought to the situation. And we don't hear about any of the others. And there's a reason for that that we're going to hit in just a minute. But this is the point where Jesus gets to work. It says, Jesus said, have the people sit down. There is plenty of grass in that, there was plenty of grass in that place and they all sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Now 5,000 men who likely 
had each their own family. So you're looking at about 5,000 families sitting down. Jesus then took the loaves and he gave thanks and he distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. Now this always confuses me. He distributed to 5,000 families as much as, he, as they wanted. Like I just, I always like want to picture how that looked. Like how did he just keep like just breaking a piece off the, I don't know. Anyway, so he, he distributed the loaves. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and they filled the 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. And the people saw the signs Jesus performed and they began to say, surely this is a prophet who comes in the, into the world. Now you need to understand that Jesus is far more than a prophet. You could talk a different lesson about how these people saw a sign from Jesus and got it completely wrong like we do sometimes. But that's not the point of this. Now there are all kinds of questions, in fact, that we could ask about this story. But one of the biggest questions and one of the questions I want to answer tonight is, is this. I want you to listen. Is that other than Jesus, who had the biggest impact in this story? Other than Jesus, who had the biggest impact? I believe the right answer to that question would have to be the boy who was so insignificant that they didn't even give his name. It has to be the boy that brought the fish and brought the bread and he brought it up to Jesus. It's got to be with the boy with the lunch. But you know why he had the biggest impact? It wasn't the amount of what he had it was that allowed him to make a difference, but rather it was his willingness. Like he made the biggest impact, not because he brought something really great to Jesus, but because he was willing to bring what he had that made him influential. I need you to hear that. It wasn't how big of the things that he had to bring. Like Jesus wasn't looking for that. It didn't matter if the boy was athletic. It didn't matter if he was smart. It didn't matter how tall or how short he was. It didn't matter how good he was at speaking. It didn't matter if he, had a, a, if he was extroverted and could make friends easily or if he was introverted and shy. None of that mattered in this moment. The only thing mattered is that he realized he had something that could be used and then he brought it to Jesus and Jesus did something amazing through his willingness to use what he had. That he wasn't looking for him to be the coolest or the most interesting. That he brought all that he had and it was enough. And ultimately, that's, this is what was the power of Jesus and what Jesus is capable of doing through those who would say, God, I don't have a lot, but here's what I have. And God, I want you to use it for your glory. I want you to use it for your kingdom. Now, you need to understand, students, I need you to hear this real quick. Is that I'm not talking about your money and I'm not talking about you going home and like raiding your refrigerator and seeing how many ham sandwiches you can make and then like bringing it back up to the church and being like, Jesus, do what you want with it. 
Like, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about all the ways that Jesus has gifted you and maybe all the resources that he's gifted you with and all the things that you have in your life that you may be using to make friends or you may be using to, to boost your popularity or you may be using to influence others on social media. I want you to think about all those things that he's given you, all the talents, all the little skills, all the little places where you find a little bit of confidence. He's saying, man, if you were this boy, you would have brought those things to Jesus. You would have said, Jesus, here's what I have to offer. Here's what I got. It's not a lot, but I'm willing. I'm willing. And the point is this, is that you have more of an effect than you think. Like, I want you to imagine real quick, if that little boy believed he had zero effect, if that little boy saw his, his fish and his bread and he said, and he saw like, oh, and he heard they're hungry and he sat there and he looked down and he said, man, it really can only feed me. There would be no story. There would be no story. And in the same way, I need you to hear this. When we look at what God may be calling us to do, when we look and you hear me or Chris or Ben or Heather say, hey, here's what it means to follow Jesus and here's what it means to be influential and you say, I don't think I have anything to offer. That is like being the little boy who looked at his bread and looked at his fish and said, ah, it's not really enough to really offer up. And what happens when we do that is we miss all kinds of opportunity to be a part of what God is doing in, in this world, to be a part of what God is doing maybe in your family, to be a part of what God is doing in Chesapeake. I need you to hear that, that when you decide that you don't have enough for God to use, when you decide, God, I'm not going to, to risk it. I don't, I'm not willing right now. It's not really even that valuable. You miss opportunities to be used by the Lord. You miss opportunities to see God use you in ways that you probably can't even imagine. See, having an impact is not about doing more. I need you to hear that. It's not about being more or having more or knowing more. It's about offering what you already have. Offering it to Jesus, saying yes to him, accomplishing his plans using your ability. It's being willing to do something with what you have. It's just being willing to say, Jesus, I'm bringing it. Like, do something with what I have. And then I want you just to imagine what God could do with you and in the world around you if that was your attitude. Truly. Like, you know who you are. You know if you are a person who is only one foot in on what God is calling you to do, and yet you stay one foot over here. 
You say, God, yeah, I'm, I'm about it. Like, I'll go to church things. Like, I'll try to read my Bible. Like, or maybe, I, you know, I don't know. Like, I'll listen in sometimes. But God, I still like to do those things I'm doing in those relationships that I have. God, I still like to be at that party. God, I still like to watch those things and, and look at those things. God, I, I'm not willing to totally give you all of what I have for you to do what you can do. Like, can you imagine if you said, God, you know what? Total surrender. I want you to use me because I know your plan is good. Like, can you imagine if you really saw all those things that you are stuck with that one foot in and really saw how they are taking the toll on your life in a terrible way and maybe not a positive way? Like, I have the beauty, kind of, and also I have the pain of being able to look back at my own life and know what it looks like to live with one foot in and one foot out and not allowing God to use my skills and the abilities he's given me for his kingdom because I was too busy with the parties and I was too busy with my reputation and I was too busy looking cool and hanging out with my friends and doing all those things. Not that I couldn't hang out and follow Jesus, but I just wanted to do the things I knew were not right. And so God never led me to lead a small group. God never used me to lead someone to Jesus. God never used me to impact someone in a really profound way because I was too busy telling God, no, I don't really have that much to offer. I like keeping my one foot over here in the party scene and then and in the girlfriend or the boyfriend scene and in the drug scene or the alcohol scene or the or the self. Uh, um, um, self-fulfillment scene, like I, I'm, I care too much about my reputation and I missed it. Can you imagine if you put both feet in? Like just amount, allow your mind to consider the possibility that what Jesus did with the little boy's lunch is something that he could do with your life. Why don't you think about that? What Jesus did with the little boy's lunch is something that he could do with your life. So as we think about influence, I'm going to give you three things. I'm going to give you three things to consider, and then we're going to break into our small groups. Here they are. First, when you think about influence and God using you to influence, you got to identify the who. Who are the immediate people in front of you? Who are the people that you have potential to influence? Are they siblings? Are they friends? Are they teammates? or people in your family, who is it that is in front of you that God said, man, I've called you and I'm equipping you and I I want you to influence them. I want you to be someone who is a beacon of love and of light and of hope to them. Secondly, you got to identify the what. What is it that people around you need? Is it encouragement? Is it time? Is it someone to listen to? What is it? Is it someone to help with their homework, like, what is it? And then lastly, you got to identify what you can do to help them and then do it. So it's identify the who, identify the what, and then identify what you can do to help them and then do it. So I, I see that person and I see their need. Now here's what I can do to help them. And now I'm going to do it. 
I'm not going to think about it. I'm not going to hesitate on it. I'm going to step into it, and I'm going to actually do it. Now, here's what I need you to understand as we close this. Um, I was listening to this thing today. I was telling Chris about it, actually. It's called the five-second rule, and here's what happens. After five seconds, your brain totally destroys an idea. So if God calls you to do something, or you see someone's need when you leave here, and you're like, man, that person needs encouragement. I could be someone that could encourage them. Then you literally have five seconds before you begin to talk yourself out of it. And so here's what I want you to do. That next time you see that, the first time you see, man, this person needs a kind word. This person needs somebody um, to listen. This person needs help with somebody. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to count down from five, five, four, three, two, one, and then I want you to do it. I don't want you to double think on it. I want you to do it. I want you to say, God, I'm doing it. I'm use, use me, I'm gonna do it. Five second rule, I want you to try it. So as you bow your heads, as you close your eyes, we're not gonna all get up. We're not gonna run out. I'm gonna release you individually. But as you do this, as you think through this week about your influence, I want you to think about a person in your life who's affected you in a positive way. Just bring that person to mind. Who is that person that's affected you in a positive way? And I want you to ask the question, how did their influence impact you for the good? How did your, their influence impact you for good? And then secondly, I want you to think on this. In the same way that other people have affected you, you have the same ability to have that effect on others. So in the same way that person has affected you, you have the ability, you have it. You have the ability to affect someone else in the same way. You know that's why we have small groups. You're about to go to one, and here's what I want you to understand. That the people around you have an effect on you, but you also get to have an effect on them. What will your effect be? Well, people, when they think, man, who's been someone who's a good influence on me? Does your name come to their mind? What will your effect be? And how will you say, God, use me. I want to be used by you. God, we thank you for this time. I thank you for your word. Be with us in our small groups. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right.